So welcome back to Blended. I'm joined by a brand new group of professionals, and today we're talking about education and bias. It's a topic that's close to my heart and is one that has increasingly come under the spotlight recently, particularly in light of the labor shortages and trending workplace changes we've seen industry-wide. So now is the perfect time to really explore what's going wrong or right with the way we think about education in the workplace. So welcome Rose, Stella, Jennifer, and Stephanie, who's going to be joining us a little bit later. And everybody's going to be sharing their thoughts on all of this with us today. So I appreciate you all for joining being brave and sharing with us authentically, let's get started with some introductions. So can you each tell me who you are, what you do, and how you identify? And I'm going to start with you, Rose. Thanks, Sarah. My name is Rose Janelle. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm a Canadian entrepreneur. My revenue operations consultancy, The Opening Door, helps early stage founders grow their revenue to $100 million plus in annual reoccurring revenue. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that and for being here, fellow Canadian. Hey. Anyways, um, next up, Jennifer, tell us who you are, what you do, and how you identify. I am Jennifer Carpus Romaine. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm the executive director at the Transportation Marketing and Sales Association. We are a trade nonprofit in the supply chain that's fully focused on raising the bar for sales and marketing in the industry. And we do that by having events and programming, having industry partners, and we've just announced a big focus in diversity and in equity and inclusion and training. So very pumped to be here. I'm also um, an adjunct professor at the Cuyahoga Community College in Cleveland, Ohio. So I thought this topic would be awesome to chat about. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us. Last but absolutely not least, Stella, tell us who you are, what you do, and how you identify. Hi, thanks. Um, my name is Stella Tomasi. I'm a professor at uh, Towson University in the Business Analytics and Technology Department within the College of Business and Economics. I am an Indian woman, and I um, go by she, her. Awesome. I am so excited for all of you to be here. And like I said, Stephanie is going to be joining us in a little bit. So there are a couple of different ways of looking at education bias. There are a lot of different biases within education itself, like African-American history being totally underrepresented in U.S. schools or linking socioeconomic backgrounds to a person's level of intellectual understanding or career ambition. But that is really a whole other show. For this episode, we really want to focus in on education bias and how it relates to the workplace. And I think this is going to take us in a wide variety of areas, which I'm excited for um, because of the discussion that we had prior to pressing the record button. But first, let's start with the question, what is education bias? What does it mean to each of you? Stella, I'm going to start with you. For me, I think education bias is where um, someone is preferred over another person due to their education. Absolutely. Rose? Yeah, I would say, you know, similarly, um, somebody being treated differently or unfavorably based on their educational background, where they went to school, what level of education they have. Um, that's what I say. I would say education biases. 
I would agree with you. And I think it can come from a variety of different places within a workplace, right? And Jennifer, I'm going to get to you in just a second, but I do want to make it very clear. You know, when we're talking about education bias, HR can be part of that conversation. Peer-to-peer can be part of that conversation. Manager, C-suite. There's a variety of different levels within a workplace that can contribute to education bias within that workplace as well. So Jennifer, what does it mean to you? I would say similarly to what you guys already depicted, we it's okay, this person doesn't have a PhD, this person doesn't have an MBA, this person only has this, or this person only has a high school diploma. But then I think when you dive into that, especially working in like sales and marketing, it's so much of like experience and that can factor in. And there's so many other facets that then aren't being part of that discussion for education or what is even education? Is it, there's like for marketing, you can do 8,000 different certifications and which one should you be doing and which one's more important? And there's a lot to unpack there, but I think that that's really kind of where this is going. And you're right. It is a lot of people, a lot of different departments that can have different viewpoints on that. Yeah, now let's dive into that a little bit. So um, you don't, you all don't know my background, but I literally have a high school diploma. Um, I do have a few certifications um, in a variety of different things because I worked while I got my continuing education after high school. Um, I did a lot of night school because there wasn't a lot of online education at the point in time when I went into the workforce in 1998, I think it was. Um, And so there was night classes and I decided that I was going to try my hand at different things. I did project, I did like a semester of project management. I got a certification in freight forwarding. Um, I got my FIT diploma, the Forum for International Trade Training. That one took me five years because I did it part time. What is everybody's journey to where you are right now when it comes to education? I've shared mine. I think maybe it's a good time for us to sort of talk a little bit about that journey and what it's looked like for us. And then we can even get into stories of what we've what we've seen, what we've experienced. So Stella, I know that you've got a very interesting journey. So let's start with that one. Um, yeah, I am. Uh... I started off um, having getting my bachelor's in chemistry um, and went straight out of college to be a chemist for a few years um, and realized I didn't want to do that for long. And so I went back for my master's and I changed fields completely. At the time, tech was really big. And so I went back for my master's in um, management information systems and still stayed in the pharmaceutical industry. This was up in Pennsylvania and um, just went to go work for a pharmaceutical company, but in the in the tech area. Uh, and then I was asked to look into from, from the college that I was at um, to think about a PhD program in MIS. And I was lucky enough um, at the time, uh, you know, I worked for a few years before they had asked me to, to think about this PhD. I was lucky enough at that time, I had switched over to Accenture and was working as consulting and uh, wanted to know if they were okay with me, you know, trying to pursue this PhD program. And uh, they were. And uh, they gave me a lot of flexibility, allowing me to reduce hours so that I could still stay with my cohort to take classes. Um, Gave me a lot of flexibility. Uh, I didn't have, you know, a husband or kids. So that was one of the the, the other things that was kind of helpful 
uh, that my job was was flexible with me. And then uh, it took me eight years to do it compared to the other peers in my cohort, which took them about four to five years to wow. do uh, in full time. Uh, but after after that, I, I was able to complete it. And then um, I ended up uh, changing careers completely um, out of industry into, into academia. Yeah. Amazing. Now I've got a couple of questions for you on that. So was that a path that you wanted to do? Or was that something that maybe it was just, you know, your family thought that that was something that you should do from an education standpoint to be able to get a good job? Yeah, so we came to this country for the sole purpose of of bettering our lives. So the my parents came. I was five when I came to this country, and um, you know, it was kind of just hammered in. You're, you know right. what I mean? Because I wouldn't have had that opportunity um, had I still been in India. Because we were, you know, Christian. We were, you know, not. Uh, we were not rich. Um, we didn't come from wealth. And so um, I would not have gotten the opportunities that I had in America if I was still in India. And so my parents kind of honed it in on us and they would take us back to India like every two years so we could see, <laughs> you know, like this is where you could have been. <laughs> and wow. so um, I I wanted to know my my parents were both in the, the medical field. And so I went into chemistry hoping to eventually go into the medical field, but just didn't didn't like it. Um, and so they were happy with me, you know, getting my bachelor's degree. Um, but I did not want to stay in that and wanted to go over to tech. So it was like eventually became then a personal thing to to want to do that. Interesting. Thank you so much for answering that. It's always, you know, there's there's all sorts of different factors when we think about our journey to our journey throughout the career. And really where it generally starts is with education, whether that's, you know, high school or or certifications or different things like that, that you go through on your, on your career journey, or even, you know, the higher education after high school. And it really varies when it comes to individuals as to where that drive for higher education or not higher education, or whether experience is more important. Um, there's a variety of different aspects that can really um, influence that decision for you, right? And a lot of times it does come from family. Sometimes it comes from societal pressure, right? If you think about the US and how important it is for people to go to university and college, like it's very much instilled, I believe, and maybe I'm wrong because I'm Canadian. So Jennifer, I'm sure you're going to correct me on that one. But Rose, what has your journey, what was the educational journey for you? Um, you know, look, what did that look like to where you are today? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Toronto, um, but from, you know, immigrant parents. So similarly, I, it was instilled in me from the second I was born, you know, education, education, education. Um, you know, that's that's the only way you're going to be able to get a job. And, you know, um, you know, that's key. So I went to high school. I immediately went to university afterwards. Um, and then when I finished my degree, I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I felt this, um, I felt like, you know, maybe an MBA was the way to go. And I really looked into it. I looked into different MBA programs and I felt like if I wanted to make more money, if I wanted to really excel uh, at work and in the corporate world, I had to have an MBA. And it took me wow. a long time to, um, you know, think 
deeper about why I felt that way. Um, and if I really needed to do an MBA to, to be successful. And I realized I didn't feel like that was really the truth. That wasn't really true. I didn't need to spend a hundred thousand dollars on an MBA right. to be successful. Right. So yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the other part of it too, is that education costs a crap load of money. And a lot of people go through life with a lot of student loans. And I think that's one of the, the key discussion points that I do want to talk about today is experience over education. And the fact is too, when the next generation or whoever's going to look for a job or be interviewed for a job and we're putting out these job descriptions, a lot of them are like, well, you need to have 10 years of experience and you need to have, you know, this degree and MBA and all that kind of stuff. But I think things are kind of shifting and I want to get to that because a lot of times you're not going to find your candidate if we're pigeonholing them to like a 0.5% of people in the population, right? Jennifer, what has your journey looked like in education? I feel like the lead up here has been perfect because I can say, have an MBA, don't need it, spent still in debt because of it. <laughs> like the only thing that I liked there was one class, um, how they did economics in the program I did. I did like an accelerated program. So it was a six weeks like intensive. And so you just covered like the big topics, but because of that, you had to apply it in your papers. And I actually liked that structure because it made me learn things that in a semester of undergrad, I just knew what the words meant, you know? So I liked that, but so I was laughing. And as an American, yeah, like it is still put in like that you should go to college. And I think that's kind of, and not just college like I feel like it's a four-year college and I think I have a lot of friends who went to four-year colleges or almost to the end of four-year colleges and either dropped out because they're like this is not what I want to do with my life or they got their degrees and they don't use it and now everyone is so in debt because they didn't really answer those questions of what do I want to do can I get that at a community college level at a much cheaper price point and not even, I mean, I teach at a community college, I believe in the education that happens there. So it's not like you're diminishing the education that you're learning and they have different options. Like I teach social media marketing. I teach content marketing at the community college and it can be like a two-year program or certificate-based The teachers the courses that I teach. So there's different people that are taking, and some people just show up because they want to learn more. So for me, my educational path was like, yes, I did four years and I went to school for journalism and I was a journalist for many years. So I'm like, yes, score. I'm actually one of the only people I know that went to school for something and still does it. So even though I am the executive director at TMSA now, I still write journalistically on the side. It's still a skill I enjoy that I have. And I do think that particular degree did set me up for success there. So that's great. But I don't think many people have that story. And I think even now, like, and I was thinking about this, we're talking about diversity and education bias and what that means. Like my son is six and he's already diagnosed with ADHD. And I think about what his little life is like and how, like I just, reason why I was a couple minutes late was because I was having him do a sight word worksheet and we had to break after coloring each thing so that we can do the freeze dance because he needs like to move in between right. his learning, you know? Mm -hmm. And how's that set up? And how are we then in the workplace adapting to some of those decisions disabilities and like you see those jokes of like well everybody has ADHD now it's like no they don't there's a diagnosis and there's not and as a parent like who's 
trying to nurture that. And I don't have ADHD, so I don't know what I'm doing. I read the books and the articles and stuff, but I think there are a lot of different facets when we talk about workplace, when we talk about education that we should be adapting to and not just one thing. Yeah, that absolutely. was a big mouthful. Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad that you shared that. And, you know, I think this goes into adaptable workplaces in general. I mean, I don't know if you guys are hearing this on your TV, but here in Canada, they're like, we're in the middle of a mental health crisis. I mean, whether you have ADHD or you came out of COVID with really bad anxiety, I mean, these are all things that we are coming up against. And, you know, I think when when it comes to an education standpoint in the workplace, we need to have training right? It's not just on that particular individual to go to a community college or whatever. The workplaces do need to provide training on a variety of different topics so that we can continuously learn, right? We talk about continue education. And you guys have talked about your education journey, um, I guess, kind of prior to the career or maybe into the career a little bit more. But what do you think about continued education? Like, should that be the responsibility of the organization? Should that be the responsibility of the individual? Because there's a lot of times I get people that come to me, they're like, I need to know what I want. I need to upskill for supply chain. I'm like, I have no idea. It depends on what you want to do and what your career path trajectory is and work backwards from there. What do you think about continuing education, Rose? Yeah, absolutely. I think continuing education is critical, not just for your professional life, but for your personal life, Mm -hmm. continuous, you know, learning, continuous education is, um, I think it's, it's key to have that as a facet of, of your life and who you are and what you do, because there's always more things to learn. Um, we don't know everything. And I think that the responsibility for continuous learning is on the learner themselves, but also their employer, just Mm -hmm. like, I feel like there is some responsibility um, with the employer, also with mental health, you know, taking care of their employees. So, you know, there are certain facets that are integral to being able to do your job well and being able to um, show up. And I think there is a responsibility for the employer to um, assist with continuing education, professional development. Um, Something that I've noticed recently is that I feel like companies are doing that less Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, five, 10 years ago, you would hear more about leadership training, management training, offsites for that, um, you know, workshops. And I hear of that less, or maybe that's just my industry, but that's, that's my point of view. Thank you for sharing that. Stella, now you had Accenture that supported your journey about um, getting your PhD. And I think, you know, you had some reduced work hours because of that. I mean, that's not something that you hear about every single day. So talk to us about what that meant for you and meant for your journey um, and how organizations can maybe better support, you know, their team members wanting to get the education or continue their education. Yeah, they also paid for a portion of my 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 program too. Wow. So yeah, so they they were they had a great um benefit program available to to those that wanted to go back. And I'm gonna be honest, not a lot of employees wanted to go back, right? Even though that benefit was available to everybody, not everyone kind of took that because you know, like you don't have to get your MBA to be successful. You don't have to get your PhD. Um uh, and and once again, I think it has a lot to do with the school, right? The school reaching out and saying, hey, you know, hey, you would do good in this, you know, because I would have never thought about it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think that um, in addition to the, you know, now I'm at, at Towson University, I think Towson University also does a lot of um, training and development for things that we need to know as professors. So uh, we have a lot of training on, you know, Title IX and, and being able to recognize certain things and safety and security. And we get a lot of training that maybe we didn't know elsewhere. So I, I do agree with Rose that, that, that the employer does have some responsibility um, for professional development. Um, I know at our university, they do do a lot of things, you know, to help with teaching as well as with research. Um, and then I wanted to, 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 to take a point on what Jennifer was saying about, about her son. Uh, the university usually has like an ADS uh, uh, office. And so they do um, help students with, with any kind of accommodations and things like that. So uh, that's good in the education sector to, to know that that's available. I, I don't know what they have like kind of in the, the younger, you know, the high school level and stuff. But I know in college levels, they do have that. And they provide like, accommodations that you give to the professors and they give you, you know, more time to teach, I mean, more time to take the test or note takers, they'll provide money to, to get a note taker, things like that. Interesting. Jennifer? Yeah, sorry. Um, they do have, he has a little, it's a, called the 504 plan in which even at six, he has that. So I'll, I'll see how that goes. But I think to your point, it is really interesting that like that your company did offer that going back to college thing. And I get why not everyone did it because that is, you just said it took you eight years. Like that's a huge commitment. But to me, that term continued education shouldn't just mean college. Like there should be credit and funding and payment towards the other stuff that you can mm -hmm. do. Go get that certification, go get that training. And I do think it is on the part of the employer. And that's actually, I've had like younger people coming into the field being like, oh, I want to participate in this gig economy thing. Like I want to be project-based. What should I consider? And I said, well, do you need a pat on the back? Do you need people to tell you that you're doing a good job? Do you want somebody to help you be in charge of your career planning? And they're like, yeah, I need all those things. I'm like, then you should not be in the gig economy because you're in charge of all that stuff yourself. It is and so I, true. Mm -hmm. It is so true. I had a freelancer come to me the other day and I asked them to do something and they were like, okay, I did it, boss. I said, dude, I am not your boss. I'm your client. Let's get this straight, people. Right. Yeah, like there's no pat on the back. You do the job, that transaction's over. They're not like, oh, thank you. That was such a great job. It's like, here's the next assignment or it's not. And yeah. that's it. And so, and if you're thinking about building your career, you're in charge of that. Whereas when you're at a company yeah. and then also like on the flip side of that, companies are like, oh, we want to retain more employees. What can we do? be doing more? We'll help develop them. We'll help <laughs> develop your employees. Make them want to stay with you. Like sometimes simple questions yeah. have simple answers. We just have to take the time. It's so true. And I want to get to um, Stella and Jennifer, your experience with the next generation and going through community college and teaching the next generation and what they kind of see and what they're thinking about when they go into the workplace. But before we do that, I do want to talk about the education bias in the industry. So I want to talk about um, any experiences that you've had um, about where, you know, 
you haven't been able to get a job because they are asking for too much. Um, and then I want that to lead into the conversation around is experience better than education? Are we getting away from that? Are we having conversations about this? So um, Stella, maybe I'll start with you. What has been your experience um, in the work for, workforce uh, bef- and maybe even now in the position that you're in, because I think we talked about some instances that you've been going through as a pro- to get to where you are as a professor um, about the education bias. I would assume that if you don't have a certain level of education or if some have higher than than you do, you know, there is a lot of bias there, especially in education. Tell us, what do you think? Yeah, I I, I do agree with this. Um, you know, in order to be on a tenure track, um, you, you typically have to have a PhD. Um, and then once you get into, you know, your, your field um, and your, you know, then it becomes kind of rank, right? So you have a PhD, that's great, but are you an assistant professor, an associate professor or, or, or a professor? So then rank starts to become an issue because uh, if you're at a lower rank, still, a, still have a PhD, I have the same degree you do, but now you have a lower rank so I can talk to you any which way. Then also within a PhD, I think it also has to do the type of PhD, right? Like, did you get an MIS or do you have a STEM, you know, science or are you liberal arts? Like what kind of PhD? Because it's not, you know, the, the degree is just not enough. It's the, the, the type of degree, the concentration. And so uh, that also uh, will also, uh, you get different salaries for that. Okay. Also have a different, you know, oh, they're, they're kind of the liberal arts or, or the, oh, they're the science people, you know, or, you know what I mean? They're the tech people, <laughs> they're the finance people. So, so they, you know, are treated differently, maybe have more money, maybe, you know, kind of will look down on, on someone that doesn't have that, right. Because they're not getting paid as much. And so wow. uh, the, the salary will also tell you a little bit. Um, yeah. And then um uh, you know, like I said, rank. And then if you if you are an instructor, uh, so you're still teaching at the college level. But if you don't have a PhD uh, and you have a master's, then you might be an instructor. Once again, your salary is lower, right? Wow. So uh, you're doing the same type of things. Uh, the the expectation is more for a PhD level than than an instructor. Um, you know, more research, more publications, things like that. So there's where you can get, um, you know, where one would get one would get more salary than another. Uh, But those are all things I had to learn, you know, while once I was in that academia world, here's where the bias is within this workplace, which is called higher education, compared to when I was in consulting, you would think, oh, MBA, right? Oh, you know, he's a director, he's got this, because now he's got an MBA. Uh, it it it's now you know your education because <laughs> a master's is still considered not as great as a PhD and then the type of PhD <laughs> it it varies and so um and then within that rank varies <laughs> man like you're making me like there was a point where I you know kind of questioned the fact that I did not go to college or university and there have been some points. But when you're talking about that, you're making my head spin. Like, I'm kind of glad I didn't go to college or university and get into well, that world. Well, getting a bachelor's is okay, I think. It's once you're in the higher education as a work, 
right? There's lots of different things. And then, and then you can get into like the administration. And so there's faculty and then administration, right? Like the provost level. Yeah. So, uh, you know, all the different types of vice presidents and administration. And so. Well, and Rose, I'm going to go to you because you made a comment in the chat that says, imagine taking eight years to do your PhD and then someone tries to diminish its value. I mean, this is what we're talking about, right? Like these things need to be eliminated. Like we're talking, like talk about mental health. You know, you went eight years, you worked your butt off, you got this amazing achievement. And then all of a sudden the next day, you're not good enough in somebody's eyes or in, 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 you know, just because you took a certain kind of PhD, where is the celebratory? Where is the congratulations? Where why yeah why are we not celebrating this anyways rose what's your experience um you know i've i've i worked in academia for a short time um you know after university while i was in university and afterwards and i and i definitely saw you know uh what stella was saying it it's it's certainly true i think you know when i hear about things like that it makes me it, it's obviously you know very challenging but then i also think about the motivation the intrinsic motivation for going for some of these courses or MBA and and doing this continuing education if it's for yourself or if it's for your employer or if it's for others to validate your knowledge or others to and that's generally why we do it so that we can get a better job but sometimes you know um the why and and the the outcome are not um they're not aligned right so you've done this for your employer or to, to get a better job. And then you get into this environment and people don't respect it as much as they did. You know, that can be really, that can be really disheartening. Um, yeah. I, I, I just empathize. I haven't been there personally. I haven't gone and done the MBA, but I have felt the pressure and, um, you know, I think that there's certainly room to remove some of the elitism and the, you know, um, ego that comes I think into play when we start to talk about higher education and people start looking at their degrees and all these accolades, you know, look at me and what I have versus I actually have this experience. I know what I'm doing. I'm able to push, you know, projects forward. I'm able to lead people, mobilize. That's more valuable to me than you saying that you have an MBA. Uh, I I agree. I, I think that that's really important, um, to that experience is, is a valuable, you know, uh, critical thinking. I mean, these, this soft communication that a lot of the students that, you know, you're in a college level and still trying to teach those things. Right. Um, and there are students that graduate from high school and know it and, and, and are, are able to do that. Um, the one thing that I will say the flip side of that, that is when we're educating students, there has to be diversity in, 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 in faculty. And there's not because of all of this stuff, right? Uh, uh, first, the amount of time it takes to get your PhD. Why do I care? It has to be that intrinsic motivation, yeah. right? Um, it has to be, you know, all these things. And then, you know, you you get there and then there's all this craziness on whether I'm going to get tenured. Am I going to get kicked out? And then you got to deal with assistant, associate, professor, research, the rejection from publication. But in the hindsight of that, in the edu- education sector, you have students that vary 
in all in, in every in, in, in diversity and they need to have more faculty that are diverse and that's hard right because it's it's just a tough a tough situation yeah uh, rose you said um and jennifer i'm gonna get to in just a second but rose you said affinity bias talk to me about that and then you also mentioned ego and i wanted to ask you you know do we do this to ourselves It's a good question. On the affinity bias, um, affinity bias is about, um, you know, being biased towards people or, you know, treating people more favorably because they're like you. They went to the same school as you. You're both um, in that sorority or alum or that, you know, whatever. Um, That's affinity bias. Or you look like me, you know, you're also black or, you know, you're tall and we're both tall. So that's great, right? It's things like, you know, we are we favor people because they're like us. And sometimes in education with that education bias, right? People who have PhDs, maybe they want to hang out with other PhDs and MBAs and all that type of stuff. The other comment about ego is a really big one. And because it actually affects so many aspects of our life, of course. Um, And I think it's hard to acknowledge and recognize your ego when it's, you know, when it's really coming forward and kind of making decisions and speaking for you. But If we build more self-awareness, we can start to realize when our ego is kind of taking over the room or taking over the conversation or leading things in the wrong direction. Um, And the more that we kind of address that ego, I think we would see less bias in many ways, whether it's affinity bias, education bias, any type of bias. So true. Now, Jennifer, I'm going to go to you because I know you're chomping at the bit here. <laughs> yes, I guess it's but I think it, but... like because you made a comment in the in the chat as well, where people go to school. I mean, my comment to Rose again, right? Like, did we do this to ourselves? I think we totally did this to ourselves, right? We put all this onus or reverence on the name of the school that you go to, the PhD that you get, you know, like all of these different things that we have put on as expectations, which is crazy. So Jennifer, over to you. I know you have a lot to share and I also want to hear about your personal experience when it comes to education bias. So I think um, to kind of add to what everybody's saying, because it's all just great stuff. But when we think about, yes, there should be diversity and there's not. And like part of breaking affinity bias is also like having people who aren't like you at your table, because to me, like, I don't want everyone to agree with me. Like, I love nothing more than the board members at TMSA that are like, wait, can you explain this more? Like, I have a different point of view because when you have, it's not bad conflict, it's coming together and having real conversations to put the best output out. And if you have everyone that thinks the same exact way, you're never going to move the needle forward or make real change or uh, evolve or grow. And so I think that's really important. And yes, like we have to work to get there. And then from my own experience, it's actually, I mean, I have navigated in a way that it really hasn't mattered. Like I actually, like my last job before TMSA, I think I was working there for three years before my boss goes, oh wait, you have your MBA, like in a conversation we had, like he just, he didn't care, but he, I mean, he also hired me remote and part-time and like, he was very, I told him, oh, I've worked at places and I could never work at home and that's important. And he's like, were you working in the 1980s? Like, I don't understand. So he himself was just very evolved and nowhere like I had worked before. 
Um, I do think that we put too much emphasis on some of those things, the where we go to school, what level of education, and we're not putting enough on that experience, but also like there is that catch 22 because Sarah, you said this at the beginning, like the requirements for an entry-level job is like five years. Explain to me how, how that is. Like those things don't even make sense. Like, I feel like when you put that into the system, maybe AI will help us when they put a hiring manager puts it into the system. Maybe they get rejected to be like, these requirements are confusing. (laughs) They don't align because you have to give people the opportunity to learn and grow. If you're not going to put the emphasis, like what is, what do you actually need from that education? I also think too, like in, in the fields that we work, I really don't understand. Like if I have a journalist degree, I have a four-year education. How is that going to help me in something that has nothing to do with journalist? How, like, how is that any better than somebody coming out of high school? <laughs> and like, I don't understand. So That's I feel so like, <laughs> like, and, cause I have a friend who did, she was in journal, journalism school with me and she was like, I don't want to do this at all. She works in insurance now. She goes, that was not, that meant nothing to me. <laughs> Besides meeting you and getting to hang out with you for four years, which I'm now in debt for, like that education meant nothing, you know? And I think that we put too much emphasis on just getting the degree, but like that, there has to be like a tonal shift to that. Like get a degree if it makes sense. Yes, I use my journalism degree, but other people don't. And yeah. what are you actually learning and what are you growing? And I think like at the community college level, like I like being an adjunct professor and this kind of goes into some of the stuff Stella can kind of attest to too, but like I work in the field. So I offer a different perspective than somebody who is mm-hmm. a full-time faculty member. And yeah. then- so that's my experience, but it took me a long time, probably until well after I got my MBA to be even considered to teach at the community college level, even right. though I was working in the field and I had almost given up. It was like 10 years. And then right when I said, I'm done with you, then literally they called me. It's like they knew. That's that interesting I- because I was asked to teach, but I literally don't have any sort of degree or MBA, MBA or anything like that. But I think the other thing too is... I think we change our minds. Like if we look back on all of our careers, right? There's ebbs and flows. There's figuring out what we like to do, what we don't like to do. I remember having a conversation with my stepdaughter and I was like, because she was very, very concerned about what she was going to do at university. And I was like, listen, man, pick something. Because at the end of the day, you might change halfway through because you've realized that you don't like doing it. And now she's going to be a firefighter. She went for psychology and now she's going to be a firefighter and she loves it. And this all happened within two years, right? I don't think any of us and Jennifer, like you said, with your journalism degree, you did use it and you still kind of use it, but you've also gone in a variety of different ways and had multitudes of experience in different things that have led you to where you are today. And I think that's another thing to really talk about is not to get caught up too, too much in what it has to look like. Because at the end of the day, none of it comes out exactly how you thought it was going to be. And you're only going to set yourself up for disappointment. Um, Before we get on to what the next generation coming out of college and university is looking at, as far as employers, and how the bias sort of trickles down to them, I want to talk about, you know, what are we seeing from job descriptions? I've been out, like I haven't, job hunted ever I don't think in my whole entire life I did it once I wasn't very good at it didn't get a job that's why I work for myself 
Um, but you know, are hearts and minds changing around job descriptions? Like, are we still asking for too much? We're asking for that 10 years experience. We're asking for the MBA or are we paring it down? And now are we asking for certifications? Are we basing it just on experience? What are we seeing out in the market today when it comes to education bias around jobs and hiring and job descriptions? What do you think? Whoever wants to answer that one. Jennifer? Going to you first. Okay. So I think things are starting to shift a little bit, but I, yeah, most of the things I see are still too much. Um, and I think the expectation, so I had a member reach out to me and he was like, I want to hire a social media manager. I hear to do that and expect, like have an entry-level social media manager and expect them to have industry experience is too much. Is that correct? I'm like, you are correct, sir. Like I was happy he was asking because he wanted to do it right. Which So like that gave me faith that like maybe people are really starting to sit and think through some of this stuff more and it's the expectation. And I said, you know, to me, for something like social media marketing, your experience is what is going to be more important than whatever degree you have. And don't just ask them for the example of the post, ask them how they created the post. What, what was the, like, what did the post do? Like, what did the campaign do? Ask them how involved they were in the process because if they don't have answers to any of that stuff, then they can't really manage your social program. They can create the posts. Can I interject there and sure. don't ask them to put together a full-on marketing proposal? Yeah, no, no, no. I just like, said- Please don't do that. Yeah, no, yeah. Don't like cheat and make make all your job applications do your work for you. But yes. like ask them like, because what I do see happen, yes, because people will be like, oh, give me three to five examples of your work. And it's like, but you're not even asking the right questions because they can send you the three to five posts they made. But what what was the goal of the post? Like, what were you trying to do? And so to me, and that's, those are questions you can have in the interview, like have that conversation like, oh, okay, I see this post. That's great. There's no grammar mistakes in there. That's great. That's a step one for me. Step one. No Step one, but like, what was the purpose of the post and did you achieve that? Because like, especially if someone's coming from like B2C marketing, they might be used to having like millions yeah. of people like their posts. Whereas like in supply chain, you might not get that many <laughs> likes and stuff. So you just have to be cognizant of some of that stuff. So I think the more that you can really think through what that experience level is, and what you want from that person, because there is, and yes, like our kids are using social media more now than we do. So like there is, but what is the actual experience? Is it, you know, just using the platform or are you yeah. executing on the platform? But I and think- don't so disregard somebody if they mm -hmm. don't necessarily have that level of education that you think that they should have. I think one right. of the challenges too is, is that you've got people writing job descriptions that potentially don't understand the job. Yeah, yeah, like have someone, or at least have someone that's like involved in that. Yes, if it's just HR writing all of the job descriptions, but they're not talking or having anyone that's in the department or like what is, who is actually hiring for that position and what do the, does that person actually need help with? Like what, what do they want out of this position? Sometimes yeah. just opening up that Ask communication good question. More. Yeah. Rose, you have been not you have been nodding your head the whole time Jennifer has been speaking. So talk to me about your experience and what do you think, you know, we need to do to eliminate some of this bias? Yeah, when when Jennifer was talking, it just reminded me that when I went um to uni, I first joined I 
joined, I did marketing. I was doing marketing, a bachelor of commerce in marketing. I did it for two years. And you know what I realized? I realized one, I don't like working with people because uh, you know, some folks are in this class and they're not paying attention. They actually don't care about their grade. They don't actually care. And then I'm pulling the weight. I don't want to rely on other people. I don't like working with people. I'm getting out of marketing. Everything is a, is a group project for marketing. I'm not doing it. I'm getting out of here. So I switched over to law and that was great. And I absolutely loved it. And I think it was, it just reminded me of when Jennifer said, you know, the experience when it comes to like social media, you know, marketing and management, the experience is more important than, you know, that formal education, because it's an industry that moves so quickly. The innovation is constantly there, technology. Right. And literally in one of my uh, first year classes in that marketing, somebody said, I think the professor, professor said, you know, by the time that we graduate this, this book, this uh, textbook is going to be um, out of date. And I thought, yeah, I, I got to go. This I'm is not making any sense for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, um, you know, what you talked about in terms of looking for um, requirements when you're looking at job descriptions, who's creating them, you know, is it really necessary? Are we being lazy? And we're saying, you know, hey, make sure you have all these things right at the top of the, you know, of the, I guess, the the bandwidth of what we're looking for so that um, we don't have to do the work, we don't have to do as much work, you know, um, flipping through and trying to file through all of these applications. So it's a bit of, you know, it's it's all these things like why do we, you know, put job postings out there and say that you need 10 years experience when you know good well, you know, five will do it. Um, I think yeah. it's it's some of those things. The other thing that I think about that I just want to say is when we look at a resume, traditionally, the education is usually at the bottom. That experience, your name, who you are, what you do, and that experience is, is first. And I think because... Huh. It can be a lot more relevant to, to the job than, than necessarily the degree, right? Well, I think about qualities too, right? Like an MBA doesn't mean that you're somebody who's a hard worker necessarily, or who's going to work hard for that particular position in that particular organization. You worked hard to get the MBA. And so, yes, you're a hard worker, but you worked hard for that MBA. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to do it for that particular position. Stella, what do you think? I think that a lot of companies need to be putting in in their job description, you know, if they want to have a degree, that's that's fine. But at the same time, they should be doing something in lieu of, right? Instead of this degree, you have X amount of years of experience, right? And so now you're giving, because I, I think from what I understand is, is a lot of the companies think like if you have a bachelor's degree, that kind of equates to maybe four or five years of experience, right? So um you know, if they don't have that degree, but you have a few years of experience, then you're kind of, uh, you know, you're you're kind of the same and, and they should be considered for the job. <laughs> and that's right? interesting and so because that, sorry to interrupt, but that is based on theory. So really that four to five years experience, is that not based on theory? It's not actually based on in no, it's based on, right. It's because they assume, <laughs> right. They assume awesome. that that if you go and get a college degree, that it equates to about, and that's somewhere I read, it's about four to four to eight years of experience it equates to. Wow. And if you get a master's degree, it equates to about 10 years of experience, right? And wow. so I think a lot of these businesses have this, this mindset and they feel like, okay, well, if you have that, that's great. And then, hey, if you have four or five additional years, right, you have so many years of experience. And I think they need to kind of just say, in lieu of this, we would take, you know, this, or, you know, maybe add some certificates in there um, instead, 
yeah. giving an opportunity to to those individuals that didn't have the opportunity to go to college to that may have gotten some certificates, right? So there's a lot of of companies that are giving certificates and there's a lot of community colleges and even continuing education professional uh, studies giving out certificates, uh, PMP and, and, and Tableau certifications and all kinds of certifications that you don't need to have a degree for. And so I think mm. I think businesses need to understand that a little bit and provide those into the job description. Well, and I think you you really made a good point there is the inclusion bit. If they cannot afford to go to college or university, but they have experience and they don't have that MBA, I mean, at what point are we being in not inclusive? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I don't... I, and I look, I'm in the education sector. So I'm, I'm, everyone go to college, right? But at the same time, right? But at the same time, I, I, my husband did not go to college, right? And so um, after high school, him and his brother um, both did not go to college and they started their own business 30 odd years ago. And it's a very successful business and they have, you know, seven and eight employees. My, uh, my brother-in-law just uh, retired at 55, yes. right? Uh, my my husband's taking you know uh, care of the whole entire business himself. They don't they don't have an MBA. They don't have a bachelor's degree. They don't have a PhD. Yeah, <laughs> right. And they're successful. They have employees and people. You know, they're doing their whole business and 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 they're successful. So yeah. at the same time, I think you know, it's what do you want to do with your life, right? Yeah. Do you do you want to be in a job position? Do you want to work and and be eventually, you know, director VP of this huge uh, Fortune 500 company or do you, you know, do you want to go into academia and higher education or do you want to be your own business person? Yeah. Um I think it it really and and that's kind of hard for a person to know, I feel like. Um and it takes time to develop that and to understand that and that's why you see a lot of students in high um, in college switching back and forth and switching all around. Right. Um, we had a, a one one of my students. She switched her major like eight times before yeah. she figured out what she wanted to do. Right. And and that's OK. But at the same time, that's costing a lot of money for somebody, <laughs> whether it's for her or for her parents. Somebody's <laughs> paying a lot of money for all these classes you took that have nothing to do with your degree. So yeah. I, 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 you know, I I think there's it has to really be a lot about and it, it comes from, you know, parents and and what you're in, I think if there's a lot of, you know, my, when we, my husband and I got married, um, my mom came to stay with us to help us with, with our first son. They used to watch Jeopardy together. And my husband would get all of the, uh -huh. the Jeopardy. Me and too. so she comes to me when I got home, she says, Dominic's really smart. You should tell him to go to college. <laughs> and I'm like, mom, like he doesn't, you see what I mean? It, it, it's the mentality. Like, what, what is he going to get a college degree for? History? Yeah. Like, what do you want to, an MBA? Like, he already has a business mom. What does he need to go back and get that four-year degree for? But in her mind, she's just like, but you should have a college degree, right? Yeah. But that's kind of, you know, to change that mindset now of an 80-year-old woman who came from a foreign country, she's never gone to college here, right? So I, it's just this, this, this thing, and how can you change it? It's, it's just going to be hard. 
Well, and I think, and thank you for sharing that. I, I have to say I do very well. Uh, like my husband and my, my stepkids are always like, wow, you know, a lot of rando knowledge. I'm like, yeah, I didn't go to college or university, but yeah, I can sure beat you at Jeopardy or any of those, <laughs> those game shows on TV. They're like, how did you know that? life, you know. Um, but it's also in how you speak about your field. So I'll give you an example. I on a board and we went and did um we did a day together, I think, around marketing strategy. And as we were talking about the marketing strategy, I had, you know, um I had provided some insight on a variety of different things. And actually the chairperson of that board said, and that's why she has a marketing degree. I don't have a marketing degree. I've never gone to school for marketing. I've gone to the school of self-taught for marketing. Yeah. I've gone to the school of YouTube for marketing, you know, and I'm, I'm totally all self-taught. And so the reason why I share that is because it's also all about how you present yourself and how you talk about the field that you're in and being confident in the fact that you have been able to teach yourself what you need to know. And it's also up to you too, within when, when you're going for a job or a position, if you don't meet all of that criteria to also potentially be able to communicate why you're the best person for the job, despite them maybe being biased with all of those, um, you know, education requirements and different things like that. And so I share that story because the moment she said that I didn't correct her, but I sat there and I was like, I don't. I don't have a marketing degree. That's really awkward, but thank you. <laughs> well, I think to like your credit, part of that is also, I mean, there are softwares that like will reject resumes if you don't meet all the requirements, yeah. but it's also believing in yourself and knowing your worth to still go after stuff, even if you don't meet every little piece of criteria. Yeah, Cause true. like everything that you just said, you, yeah, you're self-taught. Rose put in the thing that is a huge flex. You could be like, yes, I just talked your whole team under the table and they all have those degrees. So what difference does it make? But like you having that faith in yourself and knowing like, just because I did, because higher education doesn't equal intellect. Like you, you get smarter on a particular topic, but it doesn't mean you're always the smartest person in the room if you have a PhD and everyone else doesn't. It just yeah. means that you went to school for a really long time and you're an expert on this one particular topic. So like, so true. You know, I think that having um, a belief in yourself and a faith in yourself that you are still able to execute and do all the stuff is still really important. And I think as women, we tend to not do that as much as men. Like it's men will be true. like, oh, let me put this myself up for this. I got one of those requirements. Yeah. And let me tell you, you guys can't see this, but the chat function in here is blowing <laughs> up and I can't get, I can't even get to all these comments that are being put in this chat. So anyways, let's get to the part where I want to talk about uh, the next generation, the ones that you guys are teaching, the ones that Rose, maybe you're talking to her, are maybe young professionals just starting out into the industry. What are they thinking about? What are they um what are they worried about going into a workplace? Like is bias, is education bias something that they're thinking about? Are they looking at job descriptions and going these people are off their rocker? Like <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Who wants to start? Um 
So I, when I started teaching at the community college level, I knew that it was going to be a little bit different where there's going to be people who are going back to school, older people, business owners that are coming to learn about social media, this thing that they have, you know, run away from for 10 years and then people coming in. What my own education bias was that I had to quickly get over was the fact that like, I was like, oh, I'm a social media marketer. I have had this job in the field. I'm going to impart my wisdom on these youths. That's not what it was at all. Like <laughs> The younger people were coming in, like I want to better my personal brand on Instagram and TikTok. And like, I want to learn how to do that so that I can not have to go to a, a job. <laughs> and I was like, oh, pivoting. Okay. Well, I still have to cover the basis of the class. And Rose, you were saying before, like how in social media marketing, you're like, the book's not going to matter. I was like, why do I have a book? Like, why, why do I even have this? I want to teach them the sites that are going to have the up-to-date information, not what the up-to-date information is because it's going to change. So like I had to like abide by, you know, Estella can attest to, you have to hit the criteria of the class or you get in trouble, but also then trying to put my own flavor on it and trying to teach them things and like trying to cater to what they were looking for, because that is, and we see that more and more. We talk about brands allowing their employees to become brand ambassadors and embracing that, not like fully running away from that. And it's going to become more and more of an issue in the place. And the more that companies can allow employees to take like that ownership of that and to embrace your company and to be an ambassador of it, the better that'll be. And they'll find their place. They'll understand their puzzle piece. They'll be, you know, promoting your business online because that's, that's what they care about. Yeah. Yeah. Are they, um, are they looking at their personal brand as something completely necessary to their career path? Because that's yeah. not something we put on a job description. Right. Well, it's also interesting because we're seeing, so one of the things I think when we talk about education bias and like, yeah, we shouldn't discredit anyone because there's these 16 year olds who built cool like video games and they've coded all yeah. this stuff. They're smarter than I am for sure. And so just because they're younger doesn't mean they're not capable of these businesses. And they've looked and they've been like, okay, I want to be a hairstylist or like my niece does nails. Okay, she's 16. She does nails and she has a whole Instagram promoting her nails. And Aunt Jen goes and gets her nails done. Yeah, the lady right who does my eyelashes are, is 18. She's still, still in high school or 17. Yeah, yeah. and they build their brand on the business. They just make sure that their parents are okay with strangers coming into their house because that's part of the process, you know? But like, so that's part of why they're going to these these classes and getting because they're like, okay, I want to build my own brand and business. And then maybe I don't have to go to this boring nine to five job that I'm supposed to want to have. But that's why I think if we have a shift of where we allow people to have more authenticity in the workplace and to be more of themselves, hey, maybe that girl can, you know, do hair for everyone at, at work or, you know, do do nail, have a nail party or something like let them do their side gig as a piece of your business. Like then they'll have more buy in to what you're doing. And you don't know what you're missing out on if you don't give people a chance. I love right. that. Thank you so much for that, Jennifer Rose. Yeah, I think um, I think what I've seen at least in a shift in mindset amongst younger people, um, millennial, Gen Z, and that sort of thing is the internet is really decentralizing and has decentralized a lot of power in ways, especially related to how we earn money and um, our work. So just like you were saying, you know, people 
are realizing that they can use the internet to make more money than they could have imagined. And maybe, you know, and maybe with greater success more quickly than moving up the corporate ladder. So I think that, you know, a lot of people are going the entrepreneurial route or the the side gig or the side hustle route um, because the internet is just that place. You don't have to have a certain degree. You don't have to have a certain expertise. You, you know, you prove that you, you have good branding, marketing, positioning, and you prove that you can do it. That's all anybody cares about. They do not care about, um, you know, titles that you had a previous job. And so I'm definitely seeing the younger generation you know, take more advantage of the internet, exploit the the internet or social media networks um, and followings uh, a lot more than feeling like the only way to go coming out of uni is a corporate job. I think people now know that it's not the only way, which is very exciting. Yeah. Well, and I think um, organizations need to embrace that too. I mean, we talk about labor shortages, you know, maybe it has something to do with the job description criteria that you're asking for when you ask people to apply, or your software is saying no thanks to those who could be very, very good for that position. So I think there's some transitions that need to be done as far as, you know, hiring and job descriptions and looking at resumes and things like that, for sure, to get rid of the bias. Stella, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think our students are really geared towards um, wanting to have some of them as much as possible to make sure they get a job, right? And a lot of our students, um, you know, work also while they're going to college. And so um, a lot of students are looking to see, like, what are the certificates that are out there? So in addition to the degree, I know that, you know, we're offering a couple of certificates in, in Excel, um, because students need to know how to analyze data and, and be an expert in Excel. Um, but I feel that the some of the companies are really requiring, you know, in addition to the degree, all these certificates. Um, I had a, a company reach out and, and like, once again, we're just talking about the job description is, is you know, you're, you're, you're going to students in college, but you're asking for four or five years of experience, right? And we just talked about that earlier. So um, those kind of things, but I feel like a lot of our students, um, some of them are just doing it because their parents want them to do it, right? Some of them are really in there for themselves and have, you know, you can tell the difference. You can tell the difference in a classroom. Um, And that makes it a little bit harder for us. Um, And I think as faculty members, which I don't believe all faculty members do this. I mean, Jennifer works in the industry, so she 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 knows. Right. Uh, For me, I worked in consulting, but I have a huge um, relationship. I have a lot of partnerships with various companies in the area. And so I want to always know because they're going to be hiring our students. What's the up and coming thing? Right. And I have to be a type of faculty member that changes my curriculum and changes my course to meet that demand and not being able to, you know, a lot of faculty just like to keep the same syllabus and the same book, right? The whole, their whole tenure. (laughs) And you are right. Things have changed in the last 30 years. Right. And so things are constantly changing. And so, you know, are we talking about process? Are we talking about process automation and what kind of skills do you need? And there's a lot of tools out there that need like no to low level coding. Right. And so there's a lot of things that are coming out. And I think I think it is a responsibility of faculty members 
to be, you know, if you're, if they're in your classroom to help them get a job afterwards, um, not just having that degree, right? Because then it's pointless just having that degree and you're going into the job field and you don't know what's going on and you, and then the kid is just lost, right? Yeah. Um, so I think those are all kinds of things that, you know, having that understanding of, of what, what you're teaching, what's going out there and being able to know like, okay, I need to, this kid's leaving in four years. He's got to get a job. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and not saying that that's the parent's responsibility or, or this person's responsibility. I think it is, it is up to the faculty member to constantly be evolving and changing. I think it's a community. Yeah. Well, I right. think the I think the key to success in all of this and sort of maybe not eliminating bias. I mean, we're we're all human beings. I think, you know, bias is is going to be there no matter what. Um, but I think between the faculty, I think between the teachers, I think between the students or the young professionals going into a career, I think between the organizations, I think we all have a role to play in inclusion and trying to eradicate some of that bias so that we can lift each other up and get diversity of thought into the um, workplace, right? Because that's ultimately what we need and that's ultimately what's going to reduce the amount of bias that's coming across. So to be honest with you all, I think that this has been an amazing discussion. I think that I want to sort of leave it right here because we've covered so much in just over an hour. And it's been such amazing and invaluable insights and information that I think, you know, anybody listening to this is going to walk away wanting to take some notes and maybe make some changes in their workplace or changes to their mindset. Um, And that's really what the Blended Podcast is all about. But before we go, I want to ask each one of you, what's one takeaway? What's one thing that you would like somebody walking away from this discussion thinking about or maybe putting into action? So Stella, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, something that I think is important for companies to understand is that a degree is important, but so is experience and to be allowing both of those facets uh, and and opening that door up to hiring someone with both of those things, right? Um, Or either one. Um, So if they don't have it, uh, to look at some other things within their, their CV, right? Being able to change some of the programming so it doesn't just fire that person out of your your stuff. So I think there is, uh, you know, some flexibility. And so that's what I would kind of urge businesses to look into is, is, is being able to allow inclusion um, that doesn't just stop or, you know, just with the degree only. I love that. Thank you so much. Rose. Yeah, I think one takeaway, a big takeaway um, would be for leaders to to think about the way um, you're either contributing, reinforcing, or breaking these biases in your culture, in your environment, um, in your workplace, and, and within yourself. So when you're, you know, you're hiring and you're reviewing applicants and, uh, or you're looking to bring new people onto your team, take some time to, um, you know, acknowledge your ego first. Um, I think have that self-awareness and then 
try to um, identify bias as it comes up and and try to address it. I think that could go uh, a very long way. Things like affinity bias that we we don't really pay attention to, we don't realize is happening, education bias, many other biases. So, you know, the people that are in charge, those leaders that have the ability to change the way that we're looking at education and valuing, you know, degrees and that sort of thing, um, you know, do some internal work, do some self-awareness, take some time to to um, think and and, you know, continue to challenge that bias that we see. Yeah, challenge those job descriptions, people. All right, Jennifer, last but not least. So just to kind of add on to what Rose and Stella were saying, um, I think especially if we are talking about younger people coming in, it's really important to realize that we haven't had the same experiences as them. Like their childhood is different than our childhood. When I was reading a book about um generational diversity. And it talked a lot about how people coming into the workplace now, they don't just trust that title. Like just because you're president, just because you're CEO, they don't trust you. Do you know why? Because think of all of the people with those titles on the news who are abusing the system, abusing their employee, like doing all this really bad stuff. So you have to earn that trust and it's really important. And by just doing that job description the same way, by hiring the same way, you're boxing yourself in. And something as simple as like, oh, someone doesn't want to work full time. Why don't I hire two non like two part-time employees? Like, why can't they tackle the work I'm looking for? Like just doing little tweaks to adapt to the current market and like what people could be looking for and having some of that flexibility can actually probably catapult you much further than just keeping that same box in place. Absolutely. Well, thank you all so much for being so brave and for sharing authentically with us today. Ideal.com states that many of the usual criteria for candidate screening, such as their prior company, their school, or their personal connection, often decreases the diversity of the candidate pipeline. And yet, despite DEI supposedly being high on many organizations' agendas, hiring for education and connection is a widespread practice. It's a contradiction and one that's not doing any of us any favors. We talk a lot about the benefits of diverse workplaces, but we'll never truly be able to achieve them if we don't address the biases that sit behind how we cultivate a team. Don't forget that you can reach out to me or any of the guests on social media if you have anything you'd like to add to what we've talked about today. And remember to join us again next time for episode 32 of Blended, when we'll be talking about introverts and extroverts. The panel will share their own personality types discuss the stereotypes and reflect on introverts and extroverts in the workplace as leaders and as team members. It's going to be really interesting and we'll probably challenge a few preconceived ideas. So make sure you don't miss it. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me today on Blended. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you.